If you are just joining us, 1 Corinthians is the uh, sixth book in the New Testament. Uh, sorry, seventh. Uh, four Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Um, and as we get there, uh, someone once told me a little helpful illustration uh, about how Christians grow. And it's got alliteration, so it helped me remember it. But it's real simple. It's head, heart, hands. That's the illustration. Head, heart, hands. Uh, and the idea there is that uh, growth begins, it starts in the understanding. How you, how you look at life, how you understand it, how you see things, what you know. And if, you, if your heart is in a good place and the spirit is working, what you know translates to your heart, how you feel, how you, how you, how you interpret life. And then from your heart, your hands change, your, your actions change, what you do. Now we try to shortcut that, right? We try to, uh, we try to just change people's behavior. But biblical change starts, as Romans 12 says, with the renewal of your minds. Uh, head, heart, hands. And that's a, a helpful tool, uh, but it's also a great way to understand uh, where we are in 1 Corinthians. If you're just joining us, uh, Paul is addressing a very immature church. They currently uh, have divided the church into three or four parties uh, who each love their leader. Uh, some people say Paul's best, some people say Apollos is best. Um, and Paul wants them to change. As we'll see in the first three verses of our passage, they are woefully immature. Um, and maybe if we were going to approach them, we would just say, you guys are being stupid. Um, Paul's approach is different. Uh, he grounds his commands in their understanding. He's going to spend the next two chapters uh, talking about what ministry is. And the cool thing for us is we're going to get a really, uh, a really full and great picture of ministry from God's perspective. And this text is going to call us to mature by seeing ministry God's way. So 1 Corinthians 3, I'll read the whole chapter and then we'll pray and jump in. Here we go. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone 
anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that as we um, open the scriptures this morning that we are your people, that we are your temple, that you are here with us, and that everything is ours. Um, I just pray that that perspective would help us to change in light of this passage, that you would um, just do a good work in our midst. I said in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the longer I drive a car and have a house and work on it, the more I realize that I know absolutely nothing about cars um, or houses. Um, I, here's, here's what I know about a car, okay? You turn the key, it turns on, okay? Gas and brake work. You turn the wheel and it goes, and that's it, all right? Push a button, the radio turns on, okay? That's what I know about a car, all right? Um, I've never uh, changed my oil. Um, I literally have, if I, if I opened the hood of my car, I would not be able to identify anything. Some of you are like that, okay? So if you're on the side of the road and you have a, you have a, uh, you have a, um, a car problem, I can give you a cell phone, okay? That's, what, that's how I can help you, okay? There's nothing else I can do. In fact, some people, when I, when I pass them on the side of the road, I'm like, man, I feel bad, but I see them have a cell phone, and I'm like, I can't help them. I'm just going to keep going, you know? Like, I am zero help with cars. Um, I can survive on that knowledge, though, right? As long as there's a Firestone nearby, you know? I can survive on that knowledge. Um, but the moment there is trouble, or the moment I open up the hood of my car and try to mess around, okay, uh, that's bad news. And the Corinthians uh, know about as much about ministry as I know about cars. They had seen it done by Paul and Apollos. They had felt its effects. Uh, they had saw change and growth happen, but they literally don't know anything else about it. They, have no, they had no idea what was really going on. The fact that they're divisive and that they're dividing their church over who's the best teacher, that reveals they know nothing about ministry. And so, uh, so Paul is going to give, uh, in this passage, kind of a look under the hood of what is happening in ministry. They've seen the outside. They've experienced it. And many of you guys, you all have experienced ministry. You've experienced what's happened in your life. Um, and, and the great thing about this passage is going to tell us what's really going on. When people grow, when the church changes, when God is working through someone who's speaking, this passage will help us know what's really going on. So let's see if we can mature by seeing ministry God's way. Uh, I'm going to approach this passage a little bit differently. Um, normally I teach verse by verse and uh, paragraph by paragraph. This is a very uh, difficult and kind of circular and confusing passage in some ways. So I'm just going to start, I'm going to do three, three points, okay? Uh, the three main actors in ministry. The first is God, and he's the one who actually does all of the work of ministry. And then we'll, go, then we'll see uh, God's ministers, okay? People, everybody who ministers in the local church, everyone in this room who are God's fellow workers. And then we'll see God's building the church. All right, here we go. So first thing, God himself is the main doer of all ministry. Every good spiritual thing that happens, God gets the credit for that. Look at verses 5 and 6, okay? Paul says, uh, what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed... As the Lord assigned to each. 
look careful that last phrase, as a Lord assigned to each. So Paul here is saying that not only, as Ephesians 1 says, did God choose his people before the foundation of the world, he actually chose and assigned when and how and under whose ministry they would become Christians. Think about that. So, so the, re- the reason you're a believer, all right, um, and the reason that maybe when you were eight, you know, your mom and dad read the Jesus story to you and you repented, or maybe in college, whatever. The reason that happened is because before eternity passed, okay, God assigned when and where and how you become Christian. He gets the credit for that. The person who shared with you does not get the credit. You responding, you, you using your brain and responding to the facts or whatever, you don't get the credit. God does. He did that. It gets even, uh, even more, um, more explicit here. Verse 7. So neither he who plants, and we'll get to that image in a minute, but neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God himself all spiritual growth, when you read your Bible and feel impacted by it, you know, when, when a sermon really hits home, right, that is God working. God is giving the growth. Now, does God use means? Yes, he does. You know, should we still try? Yes, we should. But the only person who is allowed to get credit, um, to get glory um, in spiritual work in your lives or in the lives of people you minister to is God himself. Um, that's good news. We'll keep going and we'll apply this in a minute, but God isn't just the source of spiritual growth. He is the foundation of spiritual growth. Look at, uh, look at verse um, 11. Again, we're in another complex illustration. Paul's talking about how gospel ministry is like building a house. But he says in verse 11, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church and of all spiritual growth. So Sarah and I were trying to get some work done on our house. We had a little bit of money, and we were thinking about taking some walls down, and uh, we started to process that with the people who were were helping us, and it was very expensive. And we were like, oh my, I had no idea. So we were like, all right, we'll we'll do something else. We have this little kind of DIY back deck. We didn't build it, but yeah, I can't. But anyways, uh, we were like, we're just gonna screen that in. That's that's easy, right? And uh, our architect walked out there and he goes, if you're gonna screen this deck in, you have to do foundation work. And that's going to be extremely expensive, like twice the amount of anything else we would do. Uh, so foundation uh, is, is the most important part of a house. It's what keeps the house up. Everything else in the house is vulnerable if the foundation's bad. But it's also one of the most expensive parts. And this passage says that, that the, the foundation for all ministry and growth is God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. The second member of the Trinity, God's son, comes as a man lived perfectly, his life laid down for you. That is the foundation of all ministry. It all comes from there. Nothing spiritually good happens in your life apart from Jesus himself and his work. That one event objectively happening 2,000 years ago, that one perfect life is the foundation for all ministry. Um, And and really, uh, the essence of saving faith in Jesus the essence of being a Christian, it's a good question to ask yourself. I mean, in a room this size, there's, there's probably someone here who's deceived, right? But the essence of being a Christian is, is resting your life on that foundation and trusting in that one perfect life, that one death for everything you need, for, for your soul, for you to be saved. It's not trusting in morality. It's not just being here. It's not being a part of the church. It's not working hard. It, it is resting your life on that foundation. Um... Many of you have that foundation, and that's wonderful. But, but it's real easy to forget uh, where that came from. Um, look at verse 21. 
This is kind of the, the big application for the first part. So where Paul's going in all this theology. Look at verse 21. So let no one boast in men. Um, when you think about your story, when you talk about your pastors or your church, um, do not boast in men. Like I, I've noticed this. Uh, so I don't know if you guys, who here shares their spiritual story regu- with regularity? Okay, well, you should do that with each other. You should talk to each other about Christ, okay, about your story. But anyways, uh, I, I'm always asking people uh, what their spiritual story is, like how they came into the Lord. And one thing I notice uh, is oftentimes the pronoun I is said more than any other word. It's like, it's like an autobiography, you know? I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. This happened to me, you know? I chose this. And so I would just say, guys, when, when, you, when you think about your Christian life and when you talk about your story to others, the Lord should be the main actor. You know, you, you, again, you can, you can give, you say, man, I, a guy mentored me in college and it was great. But man, what was happening, what was, what was changing you was God himself. He gets the credit for growth. And, and when you think about, um, and this is, this is a wonderful thing. Um, I think it's great that the foundation and the surety for growth in your life is someone else. Let that free you up for a second. You, you are, you know, you're responsible to pursue the Lord, but ultimately God is responsible for the church. God's responsible for East Cooper Baptist, and he's working. It is not all on you and me at the end of the day. In, in your life, God has hands that are more sure than yours are holding your life. So rest there. Um, so God is the main actor in ministry. He is the one doing all the work and getting all the credit. Uh, but he is not the only person doing something. Uh, he's not the only person acting. Uh, he also includes his people. Uh, people aren't robots, right? Uh, we are not robots. We make free choices. At least we experience making free choices. We're influenced by people. We get influenced by sermons or by people mentoring us or whatever. Um, so in a wonderful way, uh, God includes believers all of his people, not just pastors, he includes believers in ministry. They are his fellow workers. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 9. Paul identifies himself and Apollos. We are God's fellow workers. We work alongside God. We are his instruments. Um, what, is a, what is a fellow worker? Look at, uh, look at verse 5. Again, he says, we, we were servants through whom you believed. Uh, this word servants can indicate someone who like serves a table, like a waiter. Uh, can indi- uh, it's the same word translated deacon in other parts of the New Testament, so one who serves. Um, it's, it's the, the idea here is that they're hands and feet. They're doing the practical work. You know, God's the one causing growth, but servants are the ones, uh, they're, they're instruments. They're, uh, they're people through whom God works. And uh, what is the work of a, of a worker? So here's a Here's one of the, the hard metaphors here, okay? Look at, uh, look at verse 6. I planted, Apollo, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So Paul compares ministry to growing plants. Now, was any, anyone here raised on a farm? Or does anyone here have a garden? Okay, well, good, me neither. Um, in fact, uh, one of Sarah and I's greatest life skills involving plants are accidentally killing them. So if you ever want to give us something, don't give us a plant. You're just sentencing it to death, okay? Um, so we have no gardening skills, but... Um, Typically, most people uh, this letter was written to would have been some kind of farmers or had some kind of agrarian experience. So they would get this. But the idea here, there's two things about ministry this, uh, 
this farming metaphor talks about first it's hard work all right plant I just just if you want to really get what this says you should you should buy a couple plants and like put them outside your or start a garden okay it's hard work you have to water it every day you have to be disciplined about it uh, it was much much harder 2000 years ago as well but it's difficult work it takes diligence it takes time um, and the other the other side of farming and planting is that there are a thousand things that are beyond your control you know you can do all the work you want to, but if the sun does not shine, all of your plants die. You can do all the work you can, but if the soil's bad, your plant dies. It's dependent labor. It's labor that's hard and difficult and that you do, but it's dependent upon other things for any success. And that's ministry. Ministry is difficult. It's hard. It requires diligence. We'll talk about that in a second. It requires you giving your life away to other people smart, with, 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 with your intelligence, you, thinking about it, doing it well. But it's labor that is dependent upon God to work. Only God causes a human heart to change. So that's a, that is a, the nature of ministry. That's what it is like to be a fellow worker. Um, and I would just encourage you guys, two things here. Just first, mature by seeing your people who do ministry to you that way, whether it's a pastor or a mentor, okay? They are just a servant. You know, ultimately, like, and they, they probably will fail you at some point in time, okay? They're just a servant. God does the work. But secondly, um, also see yourself as a minister. Um, Ephesians 4, 16 says that the entire body of Christ builds itself up in love. The same image here of a building, okay? But uh, in, in Ephesians, the body's building itself. Everybody, everyone here is a minister. All of you guys are God's fellow, work, fellow workers, you are people that God wants to use. As, as, David, as Paul David Tripp said, you are an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. So I'd encourage you guys, find someone to give your life away to. It's, it's real simple, guys. The, the, the work is primarily about people. It's being involved in different activities in the church are great and good, and you can find people there. But the work is primarily people. Find somebody to give your life away to. If you've been a Christian for three months and you're super immature, I promise you there is someone more immature than you. Okay, um, those high school students last week we talked about. Okay, they need help. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But seriously, all right. Um, but 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 God, God intends, He intends for you to plant and to water and to labor in the lives of others. Um, but here's an important question that the text address: uh, If God is the one who causes growth, and He gets all the glory, and we don't get, then why, why try? You know, and the answer is not do the right thing. Okay, we're not motivated like that. You guys are, um, we are all motivated by um, rewards. Um, but just think, think about it, though. If, if believing in Jesus alone gets, gets you saved, that gets you to heaven, okay, why not just trust in Jesus and live the good life? You know, why not just enjoy yourself? Like, like ministry's hard. It's, it's difficult. Um, this passage says that you do ministry, that the motivation that Paul, that Paul saw is future reward. Paul was motivated in his ministry that he that he saw himself as a laborer who would receive his wages as his due. Um, again, this passage is difficult. It switch, he switches metaphors in verse ten. Instead of uh, farming, we are now building. All right, um, and Paul says that he has laid a foundation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then look at verse twelve. Okay. So the foundation is the gospel, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the foundation of the church. That's what it stands on. But then, in verse 12, 
If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So everyone in here, all right, there's a foundation at East Cooper Baptist in the, in the global church, and that is Jesus Christ, all right? You guys aren't laying that foundation. It's already been laid, all right, through history, okay? But everyone in here, all right, you are going to put something on top of that foundation, something worthless, perhaps, the wood, hay, straw here, or something precious, the, the jewels, the gold, the silver, okay? Um, illustration that might help you, uh, I don't know if you've ever been camping. Everyone here has been camping at least once, right? Maybe once, okay? If you've noticed when you've been camping, some people bring just enough tent to survive. You know, there's always that guy that's like a stick and a blanket, you know? I got this. Or I'm going to sleep under the stars. And then there's that person who brings like the Mac Daddy 18-person, you know, uh, air mattress, flat screen TV tent. You know, there's always that person. Like, you're like, man, I want to sleep with them. Like, this is crazy. Uh, but I think that's the idea here. Everybody builds something. And, and the decision, the, the great decision of your life is what are you going to lay on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ in the, in, in the church? What are you going to put on it? Are you going to throw a stick up with a little tent, you know? Or are you, are you going to labor and put up something glorious? Because uh, you, you minister for reward, but just notice how the rewarding is going to happen. Uh, this is a kind of a sobering passage here. Um, the scriptures say that on the day of judgment, all right, so just a little theology here, day, day of judgment, okay, uh, for unbelievers, the day of judgment will be a day when their sins are visited upon them, right, when they're judged by God, okay, but for believers, all right, people who know Jesus, who have this foundation of Jesus Christ, okay, there's going to be no punishment on the day of judgment, all right, you want to be punished on the day of judgment, Jesus has borne your punishment, you, you, you'll be blameless before God through Jesus, but your life's work will pass through God's revealing fire, okay? Everything you've done, the years of your life, how you've spent them, okay? Before the throne of God, they're going to pass through his revealing fire. And what, and what is precious and what will last forever will be revealed. That's kind of the idea here. Um, so I'll just say a couple things. Uh, first, all right, um, the work that matters eternally is work that builds the church. I don't mean the building. I don't mean the programs, okay? I mean the people. The work that matters forever is people work, all right? What, what you, what precious stones you lay down, okay? And I think, so the image there of precious stones, okay, is both uh, what you're putting down. Are you, are you putting the gospel in other people's lives? Are you putting truth, all right? Um, and, and then how much it costs you to put that down. Are you laying your life down? Are you sacrificing? That's, I think that's the idea of precious jewels here. Okay, something that, something that is is precious in itself, the gospel, and something that cost you something. Okay, Paul says here each person will be rewarded according to his labor. That's verse eight. Um, but what matters, okay, is what kind of precious things and what kind of sacrificial things you put into the lives of other people. Now, of course, is your work, is your vocation significant to God? Absolutely it is, okay? God's going to reward you based on how, how well you do your job, okay? That's, that's a wonderful thing. But the main thing is people, all right? And so um, show of hands here, who would like to utterly waste their life? Anybody? Yeah, I've asked that question to 
thousands of people, I feel like, and there's always, you know, in the middle school, there's always one kid that would raise his hand and be stupid, you know? But, but, but in a room of adults, no one, nobody, the one, one thing, okay, we're, we're all millennials in here, most of us, okay? And one thing our generation's gotten right, all right, is we want to matter. We want to be significant. We want our lives to matter. There's a lot of things we don't have right, okay? But one thing we have right is we want to matter. We want to be significant, okay? And this passage tells you that what matters eternally, what, what's going to matter then, all right, is what you have laid down for the spiritual good of other people. That's what's going to matter. Not the result of your labor, okay? Notice that. It's not how many people get saved through you, all right, or how successful your ministry to others looks on the outside. It's what, it's your effort. It's what you lay on the foundation. Um, that is what matters for forever. Um, one more illustration. Uh, have you guys been following Hurricane Harvey? Okay. Uh, Hurricane Harvey just, just destroyed Texas. Um, it's been really bad. It, it's very reminiscent of a, uh, of a hurricane that hit about 10 years ago, Hurricane Ike. And Hurricane Ike uh, plowed into Galveston, Texas, which is kind of like the Sullivan's Island of Houston. It's a, like a barrier island, a beach community. Um, anyways, uh, old youth pastor here at uh, East Cooper, uh, Jonathan Chapman, he knew uh, a guy named, uh, where is it, Warren Adams. Okay, and Warren Adams uh, was an engineer who had lost a house to Hurricane Rita, and so he moved to Galveston, Texas, and decided to build a hurricane-proof house, all right? He probably spent an extra $100,000 on his house to make it hurricane-proof, or withstand a Category 4 or whatever, okay? Um, and Hurricane Ike rolls in, and um, there's this picture. You can, you can Google it. I was going to show it in the projector, but y'all have iPhones, okay? You can Google it. Just Google Galveston Ike House, okay? There's this picture on the internet, and it's post-Ike, and his is the only house and the only visible structure for miles. It's just, it is just desolation. It's just mud and wood, and his house is right there. Um, and it's important to realize that no matter what we see in this room, what our perceptions are, okay, the day of judgment's going to be like that. There are, some, there are some, some Christians you know whose lives just look cushy, man. And it looks like things are going great. The grass is always greener, right? Um, but the day of judgment is going to reveal they have not laid anything on the foundation. There's people in here who, who are going to seem totally normal to you, right? Or maybe their lives seem pretty boring, all right? And actually, they are spending their days putting gold on the foundation. And when, when Jesus returns, that's going to be revealed to the entire universe. So just my encouragement to you today is... Build well this year. You know, don't, 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 don't make your goals, all right? I'm going to career advancement, you know, relationship, whatever, whatever they are, okay? Don't make your goals. I'm going to build well this year. Whatever I do, I'm going to give my life away to somebody this year. You'll be blessed. So, um, so God does the growth. He gives us this wonderful privilege to be his co-worker. He rewards us. Um, and the reason he does all of this is for the church, God's people. God's, this passage calls them uh, God's field, God's building. Um, but the first thing this passage tells us is that the church is immature and needy. Okay, verses uh, 1 through 4. All right, just imagine if somebody wrote that to you, okay? You are not spiritual people. You're fleshly. You are infants in Christ. You still have spiritual dirty diapers. Just think about that. Think about the image of a little, a little kid walking around in diapers. That's, that's who the Corinthians are right now, okay? Um, 
But and look, what, look what makes them infants, all right? It's not uh, their number of years of Christian experience. Many of them have been Christian for, for several years, okay? There's not, not, their, not their knowledge base, not their skills. Uh, verse 3, it's their character. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? You know, when you, uh, and of course, the issue in Corinth was breaking up the body, being jealous and envious, and we had that, okay? But, but there's all sorts of character immaturities you can have. You know, I was at the, the Seeking God Lifestyle Study uh, last Wednesday, and uh, Buster spent about 20 minutes talking about how the scriptures say that in, in the last days there will be people who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And uh, he made this example that was kind of gets up in your grill a little bit, but I thought, I thought it was good. Uh, the, people, the authors of this study said that if you spend lots of, if you have enough time to have recreation, fun things you enjoy, Netflix, outside, whatever, okay, and you're not pursuing the Lord diligently uh, with, a, with similar amounts of time, you are a lover of pleasure. Now that's, wow, that's convicting, ouch, okay, I get that, all right, but, all right, anything like that in our lives reveals that we're immature. I mean, maybe you're mature, all right, uh, maybe you're growing, that's great, there are mature people, that's wonderful, but I want you to know that if you're in the church, okay, you will be sinned against by immature people, right? You're, you, you can't escape. If you're in, in Jesus' body, you cannot escape immature people. All right? Um, I was uh, in a conference room six weeks ago getting screamed at because there were some people who weren't getting what they wanted to. And at first it was shocking to me. I was like, I cannot believe they're getting so hung up over this. And as I was studying this week, I was like, actually, that's not, that's not shocking at all. You know, when my two-year-old, okay, looks at me and wags her finger and goes, no, daddy. Okay, when she does that, okay, that... The first time it happened, it surprised me, okay? After six months, it does not surprise me anymore. She's a two-year-old. It makes sense. Okay, in the church, okay? People hurting you in the church makes sense. It's not good, okay? We deal with sin. We don't excuse it. We deal with it, okay? We confront it even, all right? But it makes sense. God's people are still immature. So just, just, just you mature in your perspective by understanding this is not a perfect place. And in fact, there's going to be some messiness in this room in this, in this church. Uh, but the church, even though it is immature and messy, uh, the church is God's. It belongs to him. Verse 9, uh, they are God's field, God's building. Um, who here has seen uh, Extreme Home Makeover? You guys seen that show? Okay. They take, uh, you know, and of course, the sh- I think the show's doctored. There's no way they make this much money all the time. But anyways, they take this, uh, they take this uh, house that needs some renovation and they just go to town. It looks totally different when it's done. But what does it look like in the middle, right? In the middle of all the work. It looks messy, like the walls have been taken down. It's just the studs, like there's, there's drywall everywhere. They're discovering all these new problems. Well, guys, that's the church right now. We're, we're, we're God's building. He's making something beautiful. And in the middle of it, it's messy. So we belong to God. And we don't just belong to God. Um, we also own the entire universe, okay? And this is uh, the first two things I said, that we're immature and we belong to God is, is great, okay? You know, if, as you walk along the, just, just think about the sidebar, okay? When you guys get in the hallway, all right, and you're surrounded by people and you feel like you're getting crushed, okay? And you see like the little old lady hobbling along, okay? Um, and you see uh, that family with five kids that's just crazy and one of the kids runs into you and all that kind of stuff. You see the college student who like is way too, you know, sure of themselves. They don't, they haven't experienced enough life yet. You know, all those people, okay? <laughs> All right? Here's what I want you to think about, okay? Look at, verse, look at verse 15. You are God's temple. All right? 
this community, the people you're going to, you're mingling with in this room, the people you're going to see in just a second in worship, okay? They are God's temple. They are where God himself dwells. Guys, the reality is we're immature. Realities we're struggling. The reality is we, we get a lot wrong, okay? But there's a significance to this community. We are God's temple. Um, but we're not just God's, God's temple, okay? We are the possessors of the universe. Look at verse 21. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And you're Christ, and Christ is God's. Now that, I, if you don't take anything from this lesson, maybe just go home and memorize that verse and just chew on it, okay? Everything belongs to you. If you're a Christian, all right, if you know Jesus, if you're one with him, okay, think about this. Jesus is the king of the universe. He possesses everything. Every treasure, every, every pleasure belongs to him, all right? And in the gospel, you have been made one with Jesus. There's a day coming when literally everything available in the universe will be yours. You possess, if you're a Christian, you possess everything. So the church is uh, this immature, struggling group of people throughout the whole world, some suffering, um, some sinning, all right? But they're gods, and they're not just gods. They are the possessors of the universe. And so ministry is worth it. You know, when you disciple a group of high school students or you take someone in this group under your wing and walk with them, even though you kind of feel like you're over it, you know, um, when you do that, you, you, are, you are growing and helping someone who is eventually going to be a future ruler of the universe. You're doing something significant. You're helping someone, who, you're helping someone whom God himself dwells in. It's, it's rich. So um, mature this morning by, by resolving that you're going to lay your life down for the church. You're going you're gonna to give yourself away to the people here. You're, you're going to be someone who, who does not... Now, you, you come to church to receive. You come to receive the word and to, and to grow and to be built up, okay? But in this community, you're here to give. You're here to build the church up. Um, so I started this lesson uh, telling you guys how little I knew about cars and how terrible I am and how if you need a tire changed, I will not help you, okay? I will call someone, maybe pay for it for you, okay? But um, um, if I wanted to, okay, if I wanted to, I could get on YouTube this afternoon and in about 24 hours become a car expert. Do you, you guys know sidebar? There's, there are 300 million years of content on YouTube. That's wow, all right? <laughs> How pathetic, right? Okay, um, but okay, there are millions of hours on YouTube about how to fix and understand cars. I could go home and I could just, I could, be, I could know everything. And eventually, all right, after lots of mistakes and breaking things inside my own car, all right, I could become this kind of like self-made mechanic. I could be really good with them, all right? Um, and in some sense, 1 Corinthians 3 is, is that kind of help. It's a tutorial. It teaches you. It helps you understand uh, your story, why you have grown. helps you understand what the church is and what your role in the church is. And God's intention, all right, is not that you walk out of this room uh, with some more facts about the church or about what Paul's writing about, okay? He wants you to take this, to apply it to your heart, to, to, to chew on it, and then to change. 
So, so, so maybe, maybe you just, you go home and you journal, man. Who am I going to give my life away to? Lord, show me somebody. Show me where I can serve in the church. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we can thank you that we are yours. Um, and that you have been so kind and so good uh, to call us yours. And Lord, we just pray now that you'd, you would come uh, and apply this truth to our I pray, pray as, we, as we leave this room and go to worship and hang out and talk, that, that you, um, you would not leave us to ourselves. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.